0: Praise the Lord. God um, has given me the title on today, A Seat at the Table. Amen. A Seat at the Table. Um, And as I was preparing, so many different things in my life have happened at tables. Amen. I remember before I even got saved, um, just getting up on Sunday morning to the smell of my mother cooking. We necessarily would not go to church, but I would sit at the table with my dad, and we would do what we call philosophize. We would just talk about God or whatever. Um, You know, that's a vivid memory on Sunday morning for me. That was kind of like my church before I knew anything about the Lord. And then I, I started to think about that table that we have in the gathering room, that wooden table. And so many different things have happened around that table. That's where Teacher Tuesday started. The table actually came from my parents' house. They gave us that table. Um, we used to have Bible study at that table at our old house. The table been around for a long time. Um, I remember the table in my kitchen, or the countertop in my kitchen. If you've been to the, to the house, the countertop in our kitchen. That's where missionary and I we sit down and we fill out all of the paperwork to kind of start a core, to, to start our nonprofit. And at that same countertop, so many good and good conversations, funny conversations, dinner with my family, difficult conversations with people, all occurring around a table. You know, I think about my grandmother's, my, my, my father's mother, and in the summer, we would stay with her. My cousins, all of the cousins would get dropped off and we would stay with her. And we would sit around the table and, and eat. And you know, I have not been to that table in probably over 10, 15 years because my grandmother is no longer here. And even my grandmother that passed about two years, two, three years ago, I don't think I've been in her house really since she's passed. And so a lot of times we have an opportunity to sit around the table with people and make memories. Um, I even remember going to Pastor Carter's house. They used to be my go-to on a break and I would sit around the table and now very rarely do I even go to America's. Amen. And so the point of this message, I'm gonna be kind of all around, I'm still working through Leviticus, but the point of this message is that God has created opportunities for us to sit around the table with him, to have conversations with him, to have conversations with people, to have conversations with our family. Um, Because eventually the season is gonna change and you might not be able to get around that table anymore. You might not be able to have those conversations anymore. And then you begin to forget what the table even looked like. And so a very common scripture that I know pretty much all of us in here know. I wonder if you really realize the line that includes a table. But it's Psalms 23. And we know this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul and leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For his name states, yea. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup running over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right? We know that David wrote this, this song, this song, when he was in a difficult point in his life, but when I read it this time, y'all, I saw Jesus all over it. I saw Jesus all over this song, right? We know that Jesus is the shepherd. I thought about that laying down in grieving passions. I saw him in the garden of Gethsemane. I saw God talking to him, right? I saw God leading him, right, in the path of righteousness for his name, sake, God the Father, right? I can imagine. Him knowing that he was getting ready to die and feeling like he was in the valley of the shadow of death. But yet and still, he said, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Right. Your word comforts me. Your direction comforts me. Your provision comforts me. Right. And then Jesus, I can hear him saying, you're preparing a place. You're preparing a spot for me at your right hand, even though right now I'm in the presence of my enemies, people who seek to crucify me. Even at my table when I'm sitting with my disciples, there is one right there that wants to betray me. But in spite of all of that, you're still anointing my head with oil and my cup is running over with gratefulness. Right. Surely grace and mercy. Surely, God, you're going to get me out of this and I'm going to dwell. I'm going to reign in the house of the Lord forever. But that sixth verse, that table part of it, right? You prepare us a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's the verse I want to key in on, right? Because sometimes it's hard to see what God is doing, what he's preparing for us, because we feel like we're surrounded by enemies, right? It's like that saying, you can't see the forest for the trees, Right? You can't see the bigger picture. You can't see what God is doing because you're getting hung up on this tree. Then you go to that tree and then go to that tree. And you can't see this wonderful thing that God is trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. David said, my cup runneth over, that goodness runneth over, even though I'm in this bad spot. God, my cup runneth over. But then when we get to the New Testament, Jesus said, Father, if it's your will, let your cup pass from me, right? But not my will, let your will be done. In both of those scenarios, in both of those and in those men, we see a bigger picture. David is saying, though, right, though, Saul is trying to kill me. Like, though you've anointed me, king, but I'm not walking in that. Though, you know, though you promised me things, but it don't look that right like that right now. I still know that I'm anointed. I still know that there is a bigger picture. And it's the same thing with Jesus, right? Though, even though I'm suffering, Lord, even though I want right now, the, the thing I want most is this cup of suffering to pass me by. I know that there is a bigger picture. I know that there is something that you're trying to do. Lord, I thank you. Jesus even told his disciples, right? They asked, they were having a discussion, Lord, like, Lord, let one of us sit on your right hand. Like, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom, and Jesus told him, "You don't understand what you're asking, right? You don't understand what you're asking. Are you able to drink of this same cup, this this cup of suffering, right? That that I'm getting ready to drink of, right? This is Mark 10, 38, right? And He says, but nevertheless, right, you will. He told him, you're going to suffer, because Jesus say, like when you pull up at my at my table, right, it's just like I was saying." A lot of good conversations have happened at that table. In my, in my own personal life, a lot of good conversations have happened around the table, but a lot of difficult conversations have happened around the table. And there's nothing like having that first Christmas when your grandma or your mama or your daddy, whoever ain't there, the table just don't feel the same no more. I thought about Mama Rita when I got up. Every Sunday after church, we stopped at Burton Circle to eat dinner. And I remember when she stopped cooking because she couldn't remember how to cook. Right. So all those good memories around the table and then that table becomes a place of like that kind of hurt, God, that I can't go to my mama's table no more. And so Jesus is trying to tell us, like, when you had the table of God, when God is trying to fellowship with you and sit down and sup with you and abide with you, it's going to be some good moments, some joyous moments then it's going to be some pain. It's going to be some tears. Right? The very thing that brings us so much blessing, which is knowing Christ, comes with so much heartache sometimes. Right? But the form of those good things always outweigh the bad things. The suffering. In my favorite New Testament book, Philippians, Paul says this. He says, but all those things that I might count as profit, now I reckon as a loss for Christ's sake. Not only those things, I reckon everything as a complete loss for the sake of what is so much more valuable, the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have thrown everything away. I consider it as mere garbage so that I may gain Christ and be completely united with him. I no longer have a righteousness of my own, The kind that is gained by obeying the law. Now I have a righteousness that is given through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is based on faith. All I want. All I want is to know Christ and to experience the power of his resurrection. You can't know resurrection and not die. To share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. In the hope that I myself will be raised from death and life. You know, y'all, I keep looking around and I like, I know I got a seat at his table, right? I know I realize it. I realize that he's anointed my head with oil. I realize that on a day-to-day basis, my cup is running over. I'm blessed, right? I'm blessed. But it's that enemy part sometimes. It's that enemy part sometimes, the feeling like here goes something else right here goes something else here goes another person died another person diagnosed with cancer uh, uh, an- another bill i got to pay another appliance that done told them. another car accident another person thinking evil of me right an- another thing another person you know just in their feelings and that it's just always something i realize that i'm blessed but sometimes it's the enemy part Right, and it's not always direct attacks. Sometimes it is, but most times, you know, we get attacked. But just because we walking in the Word, and other people are working and walking in opposition of the Word, they just feel like an attack. Like God, I'm trying. I'm trying to do what you're telling me to do, but I'm surrounded by people that don't want want to do right. I remember, I remember my son in the booth, and when he was in high school, and and um. Him telling his mama, like, "Mama, I don't want to go to prom," cause he knew it was gonna be what it was gonna be. Now I know how I was when I was in prom. <laughs> it wasn't no clean music. You rubbing up against girls. You old enough to drive. I had friends renting written um hotel rooms on prom night. You know what I was about, so I remember him telling his mama, like, "Mama, I don't want to participate," and she was kind of upset cause. She felt like her son wasn't getting an opportunity to live. Like, you're gonna basically you're gonna miss out on your childhood dealing with these church folks. So it's kind of like we was kind of like the enemy. And I just remember thinking, like, God, I'm the only thing I'm out here doing is telling these children, don't have sex before you get married. Don't drink, don't do drugs. All this, right? Like, we got they got all these programs to tell these kids, don't do drugs, say no to drugs. But when I say it in a Christian sense, When I say, like, don't go to the club, like, live for God while you're young, now I'm an enemy. Right? I'm surrounded by, now I'm an enemy, now we at odds. And so that tells us something, that just being good don't really bother people. Living for Christ is what turns people into your enemy. If you just passing out turkeys and doing good, people okay with you. Because that ain't challenging nobody to live holy. But it's when you start living for Christ, when you really sitting down with Jesus at his table and y'all coming up with a plan, when you strategizing on a plan, how can I fellowship with people for real and make this life for real? Then you become an enemy. Lord, I thank you. We become an enemy because people like like that. When you're trying to live for the Lord and people just... Walking in opposition, right? That's when you start living for the Lord, right? That's when the the devil starts to 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 raise his head. He start peeking around there like, hold on. I, I, I was okay with you, you know, ringing the bell for the Salvation Army with Christmas time, but now you starting to turn down engagements with your friends and telling people you don't do this no more and you don't go here no more and you starting to call out people about sin. Now like, hold on now. I was okay with you just going to church, but you trying to change, go to church and change your life? (laughs) You, You trying to go to church and leave differently? Hold on now. The devil okay with you coming to church? That don't bother him. It's when you start trying to change your life that he has a problem. Lord, I thank you. Right, and I like I define this stuff as blind. And Second Corinthians says it's like this: the God of this age, this is Second Corinthians four. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and our serve ourselves as your servants, but Jesus sake. for God who said. Let light, light shine out of darkness. Right? He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Instead, like that, the, the, the devil wants you to be blind. The God of this age wants you to be blind. Right? And I don't want y'all to think that only but like unbelievers are outside of the church. You got unbelievers in the church. Wouldn't you be sitting around the same table with all the other 12? You got unbelievers sitting in the church. And so I know I told y'all, like, well, so when I get to Leviticus, I'm not going to really read from Leviticus. But this is the chapter where it starts talking about what you can and cannot eat. Right? Don't eat pig. Don't eat shellfish. Don't eat the, like, that's that chapter. And so when we read chapters like Leviticus 11, there is a shift happening. Because I want y'all to understand, like, so much stuff happens around the table. So much stuff happens pertaining to food. That's like that's probably gonna be one of the one like you know, one of the few things that you make sure you do every single day is eat something. Eat something. Right? It's the thing that gives you energy. Right? You don't eat, you get in, you get cranky, you don't like you don't eat, you get sick, you don't eat, you die. It's one of those few things that we do every day. So when we read Leviticus chapter 11, a shift is occurring. God is taking the instructions out of the temple and saying, focus on the day-to-day. He's starting to focus on the day-to-day. So if y'all remember chapters 1 through 10, it had to deal with what the priest was doing in the church. But when we get to chapter 11, God is starting to talk about what you do outside of the church, how you worship outside of the church. He's saying, let me teach you about holy the separation, restraint, and fellowship through your diet. The very thing that fuels your energy and your physical health belongs to me. Let me take you out of the temple. Come with you in your house and sit at your table with you. Like, let me teach you something over food. Let me teach you something while we eat. That's what Leviticus eleven is about. Lord, I thank you. And so when we read read verses uh, like Matthew chapter nine verses ten through thirteen, that's the one where Jesus is right. He's sitting in a house with tax collectors and outcasts and the Pharisees are like, why are you sitting with these people? Why are you sitting with these people? And Jesus heard him, and he answered and He said, people who are well do not need a doctor, but only those who are sick. Go and find out what is meant by the scripture that says, it is kindness that I want, not animal sacrifices. That's a, that, that's a reference to Leviticus. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tie it all together. So Jesus is sitting at this table. He's sitting at this table with, with people that the church people feel is unclean. Jesus is having a meal with them. And the Pharisees try to call him out on them. And Jesus is like, man, y'all don't even understand the scriptures that y'all teach. He said, God wants kindness, not animal sacrifices. Right? I have not come to call respectable people, but I've come to call outcasts. He's saying, let me show you what clean food and living looks like in the midst of your enemies, in the midst of an unclean world. He said, let me let me show you what it looks like. And so we can make we can make tons of spiritual decisions in the temple on Sunday. concerning seeing what you mean, right? If y'all can come in here, we can all come in here and be in order. You know, you don't cuss nobody out because you're in the church you most people they put on decent clothes because you in the church you shake people hand you polite mm-hmm. you serve them you pass out the trays at bible study you open the door with them you pay like you patient you kind because you in church for an hour and a half <laughs> it's easy to do right but when you step outside it's like okay back to the real world let me Protect myself. Let me not let people run over me. Let me get back to the grind. Let me focus on my bills. Let me focus on my plans. But for an hour and a half, God, I can give you a little time because that's what I'm supposed to do. So we can make tons of spiritual decisions in the temple on Sunday, right? But where's that same conviction when we step outside the church? When it's just the day to day. Lord, I thank you. Our convictions are so strong in the temple. But when simple rules are given about what we can and cannot do and should and should not do, right, on a day-to-day basis, then we got a, we got a problem. The disciples made so many promises to Jesus while they were sitting around that table. Lord, you ain't gonna, that ain't going to happen to you, Lord. I ain't going to leave you. I ain't going to forsake you. They made so many promises while they were sitting around the table with Jesus. We make so many promises while we standing up here in devotion. God, I thank you. I praise you. I'm going to live for you. We make so many promises. Right? But soon as they stepped outside and he was in the garden of Gethsemane, they had fell asleep on him. Not one time, but multiple times. Right? I wish I could see Jesus clearly at all times. I wish I could stay connected to him at all times, right? I wanna, I wanna see in every situation in, I wanna see it as a, a as a my cup is running over situation. I wanna count it all joy, right? I don't wanna get weary and well doing. I wanna, I wanna celebrate even though I know my cross is coming, right? I wanna, I wanna be glad even though I'm going through because I know that resurrection is on the other side of it. Like, we read that parable of the Good Samaritan, like, who is my neighbor? But in Psalm 23, when when David is saying, you know, you you anointed my, uh, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy, who are the enemies? We know the question about who is my neighbor, but who are the enemies, right? Who are the enemies? When you look up enemy in the Hebrew, right, it means to be bound, it means being narrow, like narrow minded, it means being in distress, it means being tied up. It means being shut up. It means being cramped. It means being pressed apart. It means showing hostility to. Right. How many times are we narrow minded when it comes to the things of God? How many times do we run around in distress when God wants us to count it all joy? How many times do we isolate and shut ourselves off when God is like, why are you not at the table with me? many times do we see ourselves in a tough situation instead of looking at it like okay God I I, I feel you you pressing me but you trying to produce a diamond. but we looking at it as Lord why are you crushing me so based on that definition right when we don't trust God we enemies we enemies we enemies So in the middle of everything I'm facing, it's it's like what the psalm says, though I'm walking in the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. But we forget that, Paul. We forget that you with me, Paul. We just see I'm walking in the shadow of the valley of death. We forget that you are with me. We forget the rod and the staff. We forget you anointed my head with oil. We forget, like Pastor T said, all the promises, all the prophecies, all the other times that He came through. We forget all of that, and we just see the valley of the shadow of hell. This thing look bleak. I don't know how I'm getting out of it. Right? Where really God wants us to be like Elijah. What you talking about, Elijah? Like Elijah, Elijah when you know they were surrounded by the enemy and 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 his servant was like, God, what we going to do? We surrounded Elijah, took him out there. And the word said, Elijah opened his eyes and they were surrounded by a legion of angels. God had all these angels surrounding them to protect them. That's how God wants us to be. That's what it's like when you're at the table of God. Right. Even though you're surrounded by enemies, God is like you got everything you need right here. But so many of us, we don't take advantage of what is being prepared for us. That's why when we get attacked, we don't like we we haven't been we haven't been eaten enough to have the strength to fight. God be like, come on, I'm nourishing you, I'm feeding you, I'm preparing you so you can get stronger. Right? But we're so weak. We so weak. Right? It's also like Elijah in the fact that you know, if you remember after he defeated those prophets, and then Jezebel came looking for him. He like, God, what I'm gonna do. He started running, and God, you know, what did God do? He said, Man, take a nap. Take a nap, and get something to eat. Sit at the table with me, take a nap and get something to eat. You're going to be okay. I'm gonna feed you. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. After those 40 days, what did God say? The way after the temptation it say God sent angels to minister to him. Don't y'all realize that no matter what you're going through, if you hold out long enough, God is going to send angels to minister to you. And the crazy thing is, a lot of times he does it and we don't we don't we can't see it. You you thought when teacher, when minister Tony checked on you. That would just her being sweet. No, you know God maybe probably sent him. He probably sent somebody, he probably sent one of them parents at the daycare to encourage you. He probably sent a stranger to encourage you, right? Because he saw your tank was getting a little low. It's like, okay, I see you. I got you. Come on, get back at the table. Get back around the table. Get back in fellowship. Right? God is always saying, take, eat. This is my body that was broken for you. He's always saying, take, drink. This is my blood that was shed for you, right? I want to see past the crap, past all the unclean things so bad. I get tired. I'm talking about me. I personally get tired of wavering in my diet. How many of y'all have tried to eat right? Fail to prepare, and then you're like, let me go run this axis. Let me go run. You trying? You waver. You waver for, like, we waver. We do that spiritually. We know what we should be digesting. We know what we should be eating. But in moments of weakness, we let our guard down. We push away from God's table and go eat at other tables. And I get tired of wavering in my diet between what's edifying and beneficial and then going to the stuff that's not going to benefit me at all. Spending my time in places that's not going to benefit me at all right? God, I've heard so many people that do meal prep with Pastor T, right? They get tired, get tired of eating salads. I get tired of eating fruit. I get tired of drinking water. I just want a Coke. I just want to. We get tired of what we know is going to benefit us. And we are, we are going to choose something that's going to do damn right. We're going to take that, you're going to drink that Coke and take that headache. It's just like when I used to drink, I knew I was going to drink so much that I would get sick, but I would do it anyway. I couldn't stop myself from doing it anyway, even though I knew this was not going to benefit me at all. God is just like, stay at my table. And so the only time that we're supposed to stop eating from God's table is when we fast. fasting. You don't stop eating at God's table and go eat somewhere else. If you're gonna if you gonna if you gonna say, Lord, hold on, let me step back because stuff is not moving and I don't understand where I am, you don't retreat and go back to the world. You say I'm gonna step back and I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna stop doing what I'm doing, all these little things, trying to fix it, whether it's like through doing church stuff, let, hold on, I'm like, okay. Let me just fast and pray. Cause the word say some. That's the only way some stuff moves is when you fast and pray. But you never separate yourself from the Lord. And so I'm gonna close. I'm not gonna read this because if y'all look, I don't think I, I don't think I can take it or y'all can take it. This is Acts 10, the whole chapter. I'm gonna summarize it for you. In Acts 10, there is a man. Named Cornelius. He's a Roman soldier. So I I, I tell you that he's a Roman soldier because he is a Gentile. Right? He is a Gentile who has not heard the gospel. But he is a good man. The word says that he was kind to the Jews. That's unnormal for a Roman to be kind to the Jews. He was a good man. And one day when he was praying, God told him, send some of your servants to this house and go get this man named Peter and bring him back. And at the same time this was happening, God was talking to Peter. Since Peter went up on the roof and he was praying, and he had this vision of this sheep coming down from heaven. And it had all this unclean food on it. And and Peter started talking to God and say, God, I can't eat none of that. I would not dare eat any of that. The word says that it happened three times to Peter. And even after the third time, Peter still didn't really understand what was happening. So he continued to pray like, God, show me what you mean by this. In the midst of him praying after that third time, the men that Cornelius sent were at the door. They were knocking and they were saying, "Is, is Peter here? And so the Holy Spirit says to Peter, the three men that are at the door, they are here for you. Don't be afraid to go with them. Don't be afraid to go with them. So Peter invites the men. The men stay the night. The next morning, Peter goes with the men. They go back to Cornelius' house. Peter says, okay, the Lord told me to come with you. Why am I here? And Cornelius said, the Lord told me to come get you. So that's why you're here. Like, I'm following God's instructions. you following God's instructions. So the Lord said, come here. So why am I telling y'all this story? Because if you go back to Leviticus 11, all of the stuff that they were not supposed to eat, and the vision that Peter saw with all that sheep, with all of the stuff that he was not supposed to eat, God put those rules in place to keep the Jews and the Gentiles separate. One of the main ways that we congregate and associate with other people is around the table. But God used diet to separate them in the beginning. He wanted them to know the difference between what was clean and unclean. Right? If you never eat healthy, you'll never know the difference between what it feels like to eat clean and to eat dirty. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So he had to teach them about diet first. So in Leviticus 11, he was teaching them about diet. So that's why when Peter saw this sheep, he was like, "God, according to your rules, according to your laws, I like not only can I not eat this stuff, I can't be in the same room with this man because he's a Gentile and they do things that we don't do. But obviously, you sending me here, God, you talking to this Gentile, and so at that moment, Peter realizes." Why God told him to go to Cornelius' house. The word says that Peter began to preach, and I'm coming in, JJ. The word says that Peter began to preach. And because of his preaching, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that fell on the Jews in Acts 2, this same Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. And they began to speak in tongues. And so that that scripture that I read to y'all. At the beginning, it was in this chapter that Peter realized that God is not a respecter of persons. He's willing to invite each and every one of us around the table. He's willing to make things that were once unclean, clean, so that you can be in fellowship with Him. Nothing that God does is, is, is random. It has purpose. Why do you think, right? When you want to spend time with somebody, you might say, hey, you want to do what? You want to go out and eat what? are we doing at the church? What are we going to eat at the church? Right? One of the highlights of every holiday is when you what? Everybody pull up around the table and eat. Right, When you want to do good for somebody or you want to do good in the community, a lot of times the go-to move is we going to fix what? Place. We're going to, we're going to feed. we going to fellowship. That is by design. God knows that the table is a place where people let their guard down. God knows that the table is a place where stories are shared. God knows the the table, most of the time, is a safe space. That's why in a lot of broken homes, what don't families do together? Eat together? So God took a Jew and a Gentile, and he put them around the same table. He put them around the same table. God is trying to put us at a table. He's in the atmosphere, right? But are you going to push away from the table and go do your own thing? Amen. Don't give up your seat at the table. Don't give up your seat at the table. For nobody. Don't give up your seat at the table because what he got for you is for you. The only way you lose your seat at the table is if you get up. It's like the prodigal son. He say, Dad, give me my stuff. I'm gone. That story involves eating too. But where did he find food in the world? In the hog pen. It wasn't until he came back to his father's house that he received a ring and a robe and his father prepared a feast for him. That story involves a table, y'all. God is trying to teach you that what he sings, what he prepares for you is better than what the world can offer you. Amen. 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 Y'all come on and give the Lord a hand clap. Praise. <clears throat>